Hey, this is Russell, and I work at the video store. I love this job because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my friends that work here. Interesting people pop in to rent something all the time. Each week, we can help you figure out what you could be watching on streaming platforms and out in cinemas. All right, let's open up the shop. Good morning, everyone. Hi. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) When did you wake up, Gad? Ten minutes ago. (laughs) Gad's never done mornings. Come on, dude. He he loves a good bath and he loves staying up late. Oh, wait. So, like, you love animals so much. I'm going to buy you a rooster. (laughs) I had one. Really? And it woke everyone except me up. Okay, scratch that. When did you have a rooster? We had one, I don't know, when I was in high school, because like, you'd go to the flea markets and they had like little chicks. So we got a chick and my dad bought a pen at the back and ironically called the thing dinner. <laughs> and this thing grew up to I'm be a rooster. Word. And it was so funny because it was closest to my window and it just, I, I, a bomb could go off and I don't know. Okay, now we have to start this episode off with a trigger warning for vegetarians. <laughs> Sorry. No, but we didn't eat it. Okay, it, thank God. It, it grew up and it ended and died. up. It ended up no, no, no. It, it, well, of old age, I'm assuming. Okay, so lived a good life. It lived a good life. It, it, it went to the school across the road, and they had chickens and stuff. So yeah, pretty. No couldn't it. give you any eggs. Yeah, yeah. Just boy, we were disappointed. Just to be clear to all the listeners, we're not talking about a movie. This is Gad's life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, which should have been a TV show. We've long since yeah. said as a band because you know Gad's a member of Short Straw. Um, we've long since said we wasted so much time being a band. We should have been a production company <laughs> shooting Gad's house. <laughs> his parents, his mom, his dad. Just dinner, an eventful place. Dinner the chicken. Yeah. I mean, that would have been such a lovely character. <laughs> I didn't even know about that. I've known you fucking for so long. I didn't even know you had a chicken. That just drove my parents nuts. That like, we can't have this chicken anymore. <laughs> 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 um, anyways, we, I just wanted to just quickly introduce who's um, going to come and visit us soon. Oh, cool. Mm. Um, so today it's nice and quiet for now while we get things set up and ready. And then um, we're going to have some guys uh, pop in and visit. We're going to have Shan Ray. Shan Ray van Veek, he is a delightful man. He is a stand-up comic and he operates and runs our Bioscope Sundays event, which is the regular Sunday comedy show that we host here at the Bioscope. And um, I wanted to, yeah, have him come over because whenever I'm around him, like most comics, you just, it's just fun. And it's just, it's just great to be around those people. So it's, uh, it's going to be cool to chat to him. Um, but last night, uh, we all went to Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. On IMAX. Yeah. Uh, Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny is out yeah. now. It's now in cinemas. So we watched it as a, not one of the, preview screenings it's mm-hmm. out now yep and it was cool yeah hey? it, was it was a off. fun adventure movie yeah a good adventure movie mm-hmm. yeah which right? is what it always is yeah. that's its magic and it's always interesting to see how these films kind of stick to what everybody knows and loves about these characters mm. a character to be honest i kind of missed a bit as a kid like right. i kind of went to it later just to see what the fuss was about mm. Mm. appreciated it um but i didn't it wasn't a bug that caught me when I was a kid. Was it like that for you guys? Definitely. Oh, yes. 
Okay, yeah. in the prime of your little kid fandom, yeah. you were an Indiana Jones fan. 100%. Did you ever have? Did you ever have the hat and the whip? I know. Try <laughs> no. fashion something. I was um I was playing Star Wars with okay. sticks and robes. Okay. <laughs> Almost got my eye taken out by a steel pole. All oh, right. My parents said I couldn't play lightsabers with steel poles anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was very upset. So, well, so no Indiana Jones. I don't think a whip would have been a good idea. Say, so it's one of those things. I, I can't remember what age I was when I found it. But I remember it was on Mnet and they showed them all together like in a marathon, all three of them all in a row. And that's when I first like discovered it and watched it that way and it just clicked. Um, uh, but I appreciated it's, yeah, I appreciated what it was doing and it felt like yeah. I was transported back to the movies I knew and loved when I was a kid, mm-hmm. mm. which I think is great because I think that's obviously the magic of Indiana Jones, which yeah. I, can, I can sort of see and understand. And um, and I think that's cool. I think that's lovely that it that it was that. Yes. Was that what it was like for you guys? I think that it plugged in really well to the previous trilogy. It felt like an Indiana Jones movie mm. more than Crystal Skull did for me because I feel like Spielberg's Naughty's bleach bypass thing okay. that he put in Crystal Skull just like wasn't looking right. Okay. So you just to, just to unpack that, very famously there was the trilogy. Yeah. Which for the most part happened before I was even born. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so it was like 81, and then the second one I think was 85, which was when I was born, and then the other one was shortly after. So they were kind of all in the 80s, lovable, and then old Harrison did come back as an older guy. Yeah, yeah like 2009. For, eight. for yeah, Kingdom of Crystal yeah. Skull, which which was an exciting idea at the time that there were now going to be another, there was going to be another Indiana Jones, but mm. it was a very largely sort of seen as a bit of a misstep. Yeah. Um, and my, now, my opinion on that is just based on like South Park. Remember how they ripped off? Oh my gosh! Crystal Skull. Yeah, it's brilliant. But it's I mean, brutal. genuinely, at the time, did you like it? It wasn't necessarily that. Yeah, I was still very much stuck in the fanboy. Anything that is released from this franchise is good mindset. <laughs> oh, so you did like it? Yeah. It was super goofy and yeah. yeah I mean, e- all of them are quite goofy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. now this is the fourth. This is so the fifth. The fifth. Yes. Yeah. This is the fifth now. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Cool. But yeah, it was okay. a fun time. I think people will enjoy it. If you liked indie, yeah. you will have a good time watching an adventure so. film. Yes. Okay. Well, well, let's get into it a little bit later. Yeah. Cool. Um, but um, so stick around. So so, Shanray will will pop in to to rent something soon, and then afterwards we will yeah chat about more stuff in, in our in our sort of more yeah. cash up chat. Hmm. So so stick around for that. Um, but yeah, we finished Encounters at the Bioscope Very and cool. it was lovely and thank you for everyone who, who came out. Um, and yeah, uh, let's, should we just uh, get into it then? We may as well. Cool. All right. Let's get back to work, Okies. Cool. And um, this is Shanray Funvake popping in to rent something. How's it? I'm good. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. It's nice to see you. It's nice to see you too. Uh, the bioscope looks weird um, <laughs> during the day. <laughs> You're so used to being here on a Sunday night. Yes, I am. I am very used to being here on a Sunday night. I feel like it's 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 a very interesting relationship because you've come to really know this place very well. Ins and outs. And you and I don't have an incredible amount to do with each other uh, in real life because I have um, trusted the bioscope into your hands on a Sunday night and I have 
and my managers, and I have used it as a chance to not be here. <laughs> so, because, because on a Sunday night, I, um, I've always been in the camp of people that have, you know, wanted to be in their comfy clothes and, you know, so, do admin. And okay. It's funny how there's two camps, right? <laughs> there's people that just fucking party until the end of the weekend. And then there's people that are like, I need to, you know, Chill. Do my admin, get things in place. Sit in my pajamas. Sit in my, my pajamas. My DA t shirt. <laughs> I feel like you rock a DA t shirt. Ah, <laughs> do you mean the Democratic <laughs> Alliance? Just yes. like a blue one with Tony Blair still. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, um, that was what? The DP. The DP. The, they used to be called the DP. Before that. Um, I, I don't own any politician t shirts. <laughs> I actually have one. I I have a, a EFF one. Okay. Did right. it come with the beret? Did, Did you I, get the t-shirt? No, I didn't beret get. Combo. I didn't get the beret. The beret was more. I was like, nah, I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna buy the beret. <laughs> yeah, but I use it to clean the yard. It's a it's a durable t-shirt. Okay, it's your Sunday shirt. <laughs> it's my Sunday shirt before <laughs> I come to the bioscope. And the occasional march. And the occasional march. No, I've, you do you not. Know, I actually never marched. I've never marched either. I feel ashamed. And there was even that time when, when like all the whiteies came out for the Zuma Must Fall march. Yes, that was like that was like one for everyone. Because <laughs> yes, I, like, <laughs> I think we were all quite united in the fact that that chap must fall. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't do that. I don't know what I was doing. I, also, I, I can't I, remember what I was doing. I didn't as take well. to the streets. I didn't because I was like, they got it. <laughs> <laughs> There's enough. There's there's enough. When I saw those tannies, like, let's go. Let's go, guys. Yeah. And I will walk 100 miles. <laughs> were they singing the proclaimers? Yes, they were. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so you, you have very proudly um, managed our Bioscope Sundays event. And I think that was very cool. It was nice of you to reach out and and convince me to do a regular mm -hmm. Sunday. And I personally am quite proud to have sort of brought a Sunday comedy event back to Joburg because I was one of those people that went to the Comedy Underground in Melville for many years. Did you go? Um, no, that was before my time. Okay, I'd love to get into what your time was and where little Shanray grew up. Um, so <laughs> I grew up in King Williamstown. Um, that's all the way in the Eastern Cape. Very, very, very small town. And I grew up in a small place called Breitbach. Okay. Have you ever heard of Breitbach? No, fuck no. <laughs> Don't worry, no one did. Um, uh, you, you know, Mojek once drew past, like he drove past, uh, he drove past Breitbach. Yeah. And he looked and he's like, oh my word, Breitbach, Chandra is familiar. How the hell did you make it out of this village? How did you make it out? And, wh and why were you there? What, are you fo um, what did your folks do? So I was born there. I was born in King Williamstown. And my father, he's from Cape Town. Uh, okay. He's from Bonteville. Okay. And he kind of like followed my mother there. But it was, you know. It was what was there to do in Breitville? In Breitbach. Breitbach. Um, nothing. So why were you there? Why did uh, they go there? My so my mother's my, my my mother's brother lived there, right? Okay. And then she basically just was like, "Oh, I'm done um, with this relationship with my father. I don't want it." And then she moved to uh, Breitbach. Okay, so it was right. your mom needing yes, some support, some some space and whatever. And my father was like, 
nah, I gotta let this woman go. And he followed her there. Oh, right? shit. And when he followed her there. In a loving romantic a, sense yeah, or a, in a creepy Netflix in a, in a special loving, sense? <laughs> in a loving romantic <laughs> sense. Okay, in a Ryan Gosling sense. <laughs> yes. Okay. He's like, I'm just a boy. <laughs> <laughs> so then he moved there. And yeah, and that's kind of like I was born there. And um, yeah, I lived out my life there until I was like 16 years old. Oh, hectic. Okay. Yeah, 16 years old. And then uh, we moved to Johannesburg. Okay. And that's how I came here. <laughs> Just a boy. <laughs> Just a boy with a dream. Just a boy with a dream. But that time I didn't have a dream. I was just like, I, I, like most people, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Yeah. How did you stumble into comedy? Um, I had a friend who was like really into stand-up comedy. I mean, myself, I was always a fan of stand-up comedy. I remember my father bringing back one time, uh, he actually went to uh, like a video store. I think it was Blockbuster back in the day. Yeah. And uh, he brought back an all-star comedy weekend DVD. Okay. And that's where I saw my favorite comedian, uh, Eddie Griffin. Eddie and Griffin. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then that's when I started falling in love with stand-up comedy. And I would just watch that tape every single yeah. day. I watched I watched an incredible amount of um, original, the, the Kings of Comedy. The original yes, Kings yes, of Comedy, yes, the yes, Spike yes. Lee film. Um, with Bernie Mac yes. and Cedric all of them. The Cedric the Entertainer. Like, I watched a lot of that. When I was the sixteen, like me and yeah, me and like two or three buddies, like we'd kind of almost had the whole thing memorized. Yeah, that's what I also did because I would go to school and tell those jokes at school. But I mean, like me being like this kind of white boy in Joburg and these this kind of African American sensibility, like we were so far removed, but the comedy was solid. It was solid. I just, you know what I actually did? I actually because I I would go to school and repeat the words, but I would bleep myself out for all the swear words. I was like, you my beep. Because oh, is that how the tape was? Yeah, the, the, no, the tape was like swearing. Oh. Like, like, oh, okay. like swearing. And then I would like bleep myself out at school. So okay. I, I would tell the joke, but then I would just bleep out the, the F-bombs. F Funny, man. But you obviously just appreciated everyone laughing. Yes. I was and that was your drug. That. Yeah, that was, that was my drug. Because I was, I was a weird kid at school. Like I would sit at the back, make jokes. And, but I would still pass. And people would be like, how are you passing? <laughs> how are you passing? I'm like, no, I actually listen in class and do my homework. But, yeah. And I just disrupt you guys. So they actually blame me for failing. I'm like, mm -mm, that's not me. No, that's, that's on you. <laughs> that's on you. Oh, that's funny. <sighs> okay. And then um, did you try your hand at anything else? Um, or did you just go no, kind of straight in? Eh? I had a wild, because at first I started, I thought I was going to be a springbok. That was my first dream. A rugby player. A rugby player. So I okay. played. I played when I moved to Joburg. I played for a team called East Rand United. Okay. Right. And when I played for this team, East Rand United, and then eventually got bought by the city of Boxburg. Okay. But when I say bought, I don't really mean like <laughs> like bought because I'm gonna tell you what happened. Like I think that I was traded for a fridge. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. I, Wait, okay. I, so this was a team that was outside of like your school or yes, kind of Craven was, Week yes, or those kind was, of. I'll, I I never played Craven Week because in matric I decided I want to play rugby in matric. Okay. In matric I was like, oh, I can. I want to play rugby. I played rugby first team in matric for a team uh, for uh, the school's name was uh, Langenhoven. CJ Langenhoven. Okay. If do you know who CJ Langenhoven was? No. It's the guy who wrote the stem. Ah. 
Yes, so apparently he wrote to them and he's a uh, 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 some big Afrikaans. And then they uh, were like, "We'll give you a school." Yeah. <laughs> yes, and they're okay. like, "We'll name a school after you." Yeah, you get a school. Uh, and and then I started playing rugby, and I was like, "Oh, maybe I want to." You only do this. started in matric. Yes, I started playing rugby in matric. Okay, and then you going straight into first team is that testament to how good you were or how shit your school was? No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't know because the school was actually located uh, like opposite the zoo, right? And when we'd go play other schools. But if you were a school in Pretoria playing yes. rugby, I would imagine you'd be good. Yes, I think I think I was okay, good. Okay, so then let's go. It's a testament to how good you were. Okay, <laughs> okay, so you went. You just walked straight into first team. Yes, I just walked straight, played first team. I remember we played this game against another school and we lost. And like, so people were like screaming, "Go back to the zoo." Because our school was located next to the zoo. <laughs> okay, Go good. back to the zoo. Okay. <laughs> it was hilarious. But anyway, played for Israel United and then um, City of Boxburg. Now, this is where I think I was traded for a fridge. Because they came and delivered a fridge, right? And yeah. they were like, yo, Shandre, uh, go see the coach. Uh, from Boxburg, and I left in the same bucket that they dropped off the fridge in. <laughs> so I was like, was I just traded for a fridge? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's like, okay, so at that point, your your rugby dreams were a bit squandered. I was like, come on, bro. At least I took one for the team. They have, at least they have a fridge now to keep the beers cold. Uh-huh. It was a nice fridge. It wasn't a bad fridge. It was a sliding doors, Coca-Cola one. So I was like, oh, that's a nice fridge. <laughs> and then I played for East, I played for the city of Boxburg probably like for three, four months. Yeah. And that was a nice experience because um, I finally got paid for playing rugby. Like every every Friday when a game is, they come with that brown envelope, 700 bucks. Oh. And then 700 bucks. And then at the end of the game, uh, depending on uh, if you're man of the match or if you scored a try, it would be an extra 500. So it was nice. You'd have money at the end of the week. And I was like, oh, I can make this work. And then I got chosen uh, to play provincially. So I, I was playing under 19 and under 21 for the Falker. Um, and I played some Curry Cup under 21. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. And I then, had no idea. Yeah, I, thought I, I really thought I was going to make it. I would have retired as a Springbok now. I really shit. thought I was going to make it. But then I got injured. Yeah. And when I went back, and you know, politics and rugby and all these things, a lot of things happened. Man. So much happened at, at, at the FARC. I hope I'm not throwing too much away. No. But there was one instance where we're playing a game. And just the politics. We're playing a game of rugby. And it was like halftime and we're losing but by five points. And the coach was like, hey, um, the coach didn't want to put someone on. And one of the parents stood up and said, I paid. I paid. Oh, shit. I paid. Why isn't my son playing? Oh, God. And, bruh, everyone just looked up and said, what the, What do you mean you paid to oh, let shit. your son play? Oh, God. And, yeah, those are just the type of okay. politics in Interesting. rugby. My, I, I did a little bit of rugby in high school, and there was this moment once. I've got two great m- stories I'm going to tell. The one was I have this memory of being on a sort of rainy field on a weekday afternoon, like a practice, and fucking hating it because it's raining and it's cold. You know, rugby's in winter. Mm-hmm. And I remember just having this revelation. Obviously, the ball wasn't anywhere near me, so I could think for a bit and I just thought I play in a rock band what the fuck am I doing on a rugby field and I remember having that like sort of 
that simple revelation. And I honestly can't remember anything after that in terms of rugby. Before. I obviously finished the season and whatever. But I, I then was involved in the plays at school and I was mm. in the band that played in the plays and then I was acting and I just... Rugby at that point, I was like, this is, this is silly. I'm <laughs> in a it. rock band. But the other story I wanted to tell, which is you talking about the parents kind of heckling from mm. the side. I remember playing a game at St. Stidians, you know, big fancy um, private school. And I remember walking down the sideline, hearing one of the dudes on the team, like on the game playing, saying something like, go for the man, boys, like, go for the man, like, you know, like, <laughs> go for the ball. like, like, mark, you know, kind of mark your man, which in rugby is like, tackle fucking dudes. And I'll just never forget this, like, real soccer mom next to me as I was walking, going, don't go for the fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> like, sh shouting at this boy. Because <laughs> she's obviously got her son in the game. <laughs> and this is, I love this idea of this, like, young boy you know, all this bravado and then this like alpha mom kind of shouting <laughs> at him. I just no love one, that. Bro, no one thinks that uh, like rugby, like rugby now is much safer than yeah. it was back in the day. Yeah, totally. Like back in the day, like your people just wanted to hurt you. Yeah, and to be a hooker, like, oh God. Yeah, people kick Scary, you. Scary, man. You can people break punch collarbones. You. And, I mean, oh. how many children have broken spines with rugby? Oh, anyways. Mm. Anyway. was just like, yeah, it's just one. <laughs> it's just one spinal Statistically, cord. Statistically, it's a safe game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, sorry, just to now go back to, to this this night that you've then created. We've we've done it for about a year now yes. at the Bioscope, and I feel like we're cooking now. Yeah, we cook. But I, I know I, we're cooking. Remember I told you, I told, when I sat down, when I was like, Russ, it's going to be a battle in the beginning. Yeah. We're going to go through the motions, but I promise you when we hit a year, everyone's going to know about it yeah. and we're going to get sold out nights and that's, it's, it's happening now. Yeah. And I, I, I'm just such a believer in that. I mean, obviously we should all do the best that we can. And of course we were, and we were trying, but I know, I know that marathon mm -hmm. effort. And what I mean by that is that if you and I just had a comedy night that we had to do one night. We could sprint towards it, do everything, and of course it should be sold out. Mm -hmm. But if we're going to do this every week, every week, we have to approach it like you would run the comrades as opposed mm -hmm. to a 100-meter sprint. So your systems have to be there. and You have to figure out your, your rhythm of when you report, when these guys send invoices, when you pay, and how you market, and how, how can you market so that you can do it every week and not, mm -hmm. and not spam people. There's so much involved in it but as you said it just needed time and i feel like that's been the story of the bioscope that's been the story of the video store podcast it just needs time you just got to be there you just got to every single day it's the consistency and limited edition the t-shirt company also i just could tell as i started it that people were gonna like it because people were buying t-shirts and i was like all it needs is time and momentum mm -hmm. and it's been beautiful i mean We've had magical moments here. Yeah. I'm just thinking back on the year, like we've had so many magical moments here. I mean, until we've gotten we got nominated for a Savannah's Comics Choice. That was so cool, that and was, it was so cool for me also to walk into that room and be like, I know almost everyone here. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe not even personally, but like I've dealt with them, I've spoke to them, I've, you know, we've coordinated stuff. 
and and it was just so cool to like be amongst everyone and like be in that community and feel like we're a we're a part of it. Yeah, and we we are a big part of it. I mean, um, a lot of people came after the show, and they were like, "Yo, it's so amazing seeing Bioscope on there, yeah. and it deserves this nomination because you guys have been putting in the work, work, work." And they also what what comedians love about this place is our transparency. Okay. They love the transparency. What do you mean by that? Just like the way we show them the ticket report. Do we show them? Because what happens if, if, if you guys don't know? I was about to say, that that's we, so obvious to me. Yes, Why would they not? Because yes. people don't do this, Russ. People don't Serious? run. Yeah, they don't do this. Well, why I... So just to interject, why I think it's so great that we're doing comedy um, and why it could work is because not only do we have a proper theater environment where all the seats face the stage, but we've got all the infrastructure mm-hmm. from our cinema life that can very easily become a comic, like a comedy club. Like mm-hmm. the Bioscope is a comedy club now. It's it's all it, the time. You guys have shows. <laughs> yeah, this weekend, for example, we've got Kate from Cape Town. We're doing live improv, which is of course a little more theater this Saturday. But I think it's amazing. We we never did it for all those years of Mobuneng because we had our friends pop out yes, next door to us, and they were doing live performance. And of course, we never wanted. We had an agreement, which was very simple, and we we loved them doing that. But since all of that's changed and they've moved out, they now come to us and do shows with us. It's been so great just to sort of tell a quick history that the Bioscope can now be a comedy club. And I need to actually redo the sign outside the Bioscope right. because when I first designed it and got it cut i realized how small the word cinema is <laughs> so it's like it's not even a great sign so i really need to redo it and in my redoing it i'm going to say comedy club because we're built to be one we yes. built to we built to be that as well and i think that's exciting and, and Joburg kind of needs something like that it, it definitely needs something like that i mean when i approached you because we had a couple of shows here and i was like Russ, this place could be amazing for a sunday show yeah. Just a Sunday show and just to go back on the way we're so transparent. Because um, people don't do that. People don't send you and say, because what we do here is the three comics on the lineup share the door. Yeah. And once, the first time we did it, I showed people and they were like, oh my God, don't you make any money here? I'm like, no, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm mm-hmm. doing it to just have a space where you can come out on a Sunday yeah. and just perform and enjoy yourself. And knowing that no matter how many people are here, you and the other three people are sharing. And there's someone hosting a show, which is myself, hosting a show. And they love that. Like, comics love that. Like, oh, my word. It's so transparent. We can see exactly what's going on. Yeah. Um, you send me the thing, and I'm like, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, that's why so many comics. I mean, like David Cow, Trevor Gumby, all of them love coming here. Yeah. No, and I, I, that's good because the integrity of it is, is very important to me. And then obviously what's smart about it for you is that I've taken all the admin mm-hmm. out of it. Like we will do the reporting, we will do the invoicing, like we'll do the paying um, and you get the stage time. Mm-hmm. And, Which is very important. And so for you, you get to gym every week, even if you're not one of the three that will earn something that night you get the stage time mm-hmm. as the MC, which as is smart. Because in the beginning of the relationship, I was like, I hope you get enough out of this. And I was like, oh, you're getting stage time. Yes. Like, that's... A that's lot big. of stage time. A lot of... And it helps so much 
because I can see my growth. I see my growth um, in other shows that I do. I'm more calm. I'm more myself because that's what stand-up is, is becoming more of yourself on stage. And yeah, it's like just becoming yourself. Yeah. And it's a very hard thing to do, especially in front of people. Um, it's, it's basically the art of not trying to be funny, just be funny. Yeah. And that comes through with, for hosting a show every single week. Yeah. No, that's interesting about becoming yourself. I, I did one five-minute slot of stand-up once. <laughs> when was this? It was when it was still at, well, when, when comedy was happening at Pop Art, I had this sort of bug where I was like, I want to do it. You know, it was like one of those like bucket list things. And how was your experience? I thought it was fine. I thought it was great. The moment I was up there, I was like, oh, I can do this. Because I have been in front of crowds all the time. Certainly that size crowd, because that size crowd is similar to the crowd I talk to often at the Bioscope mm-hmm. when I have to introduce a film. But with the band, I've also gotten used to being in front of people, sometimes like thousands of people. And that's a muscle that you also have to get used to. Of course, the challenge is now being funny, which is not the easiest. But for someone wanting to get into it, the first stumbling block is just being in front of people. And I was like, yes. oh, I can do this. And so it actually went all right. It was fine. It was cool. I, I, I don't know. I've, 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 I've had people around me say I should do more comedy. But I think like doing the, the, the podcast is, is cool for yeah. now. Like that's my – I can bring my – humor and opinion out in that <laughs> i don't need to necessarily be on stage too often but no, it's, but um it's, it's a rough road it's a it's, it's a very rough road i mean when i started i started back in 2016 uh my first show um i went amazing yeah. first show ever i did amazing i got like barely laughs people it set the tone and then you just and then second it. show bombed third show <laughs> bombed i bombed for a year I bombed for a year after my first performance. Wild, eh? Wild. I had people coming up to me and be like, "This, I don't think this is for you, eh? Yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I think this is this is it for you. Yeah. I think you need to go back <laughs> to whatever you were doing. Because uh, I bombed so much. And then all of a sudden, um, the day actually that person told me, it was the best thing that it, he could have told me. Because when he told me, I don't think this is for you. So you're I like, I felt, refuse this. Yeah, I felt like it wasn't for me, but then something just clicked. Something was like, no, I'm not going to listen to you. Mm. I know what I want to do. The only problem is, is that I'm trying to be funny. And what I should do is, I shouldn't just, I just went on and it was the next night. I just went on stage and I don't give a fuck. That was literally yeah. my mindset. I don't give a fuck if you laugh yeah. or not. These are my thoughts and I don't care. I'm yeah. just going to go up there and try and be my, as much as myself as possible. Yeah. And in the beginning, it was little, but I came on and people just started laughing. And it's just laughing and laughing. And the less I cared, because mm. as, 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 as one of my favorite comedians, Luis Hocola, said, the audience doesn't know what they want. Mm. They don't know what they want. They don't know what entertains them when it comes to stand-up comedy. They don't know. Mm. So how can, how can you prepare for something that they don't even know? Just go up there, be yourself, bring your ideas forward. And if they bomb, they bomb. And it's the confidence of that. I feel like anyone with, with confidence and being self-assured can, can take someone's hand and go, we're going to go on this ride together. Yes. And, and, and as long as they feel safe holding your hand, 
Because it's funny, the audience can be a little bit like a horse. It can it can sense when you're nervous. Yes. And then the horse gets nervous, and then you have a fucking <laughs> bad horse ride. You know, and it bucks you, you know? Mm. And so it's very similar. And also what you're saying now also reminds me a lot of, there was a period in the band where we got very conscious of what we thought people wanted to hear mm. and what we were meant to sound like. And we had one album that was very much in our own head where we were overthinking everything. And it... It was, a, it was a fumble in a way. It was nice. Yes. And there was lot, there were some good songs, but the next album was better because we were like, fuck it. This is awesome. <laughs> this is, you know, yes. and we're going to do what we want to do. And, and that's the beauty, doing what you want. And to then do. they'll come along with it. And if they don't, too screw, bad. Screw them. Who, who cares? They don't know what good music is. But the is. irony is that you make the best stuff at that point. Yes, that, that is such a thing. Because it's not confused. That's it's why quite, I, it's I, quite clear. I hate it when, especially like when singers like, no, nah, I think I'm going to be sober. Then I'm like, oh, we're going to get the worst album ever after this. Have you ever seen that? Like every single rock artist ever is like, no, nah, I'm going to be, I'm, I think I'm going sober on this one. And then it's like, well, I think you made a bad decision, bro. We love you on drugs. <laughs> Listen, that's a whole nother story, man. Um, uh, what are you enjoying at the moment? What do you watch? Uh, what do I watch? Oh, man, I'm such a geek for these Marvel movies. Okay. Uh, Which one? Um, I've, I've recently watched um, what's this, Ant-Man. I started watching uh, it. Jesus, it's stupid, eh? It's terrible. This last <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Oh, but I'm yeah, like... the, moment, the moment they like go down into the micro world and then there's humans talking. And, and jellyfish. Jellyfish. And, and one oak looks like a broccoli. <laughs> I'm like, no. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, I, I watched it. But the reason why I watched it is because I don't want to miss out on the good movies that are coming. Because I think they're in phase four or phase five. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. so this is this is I'm really geeking right now. Um, so like the Marvel movies came out in phases, so they're moving according to phases. Sure. Uh, so also because I I read the comic books. Okay, um, that was going to be my next question. Yes. Did you consume any of that? <laughs> yes, stuff? a lot. I okay, no, well then that's you. You're in a different camp in that regard. Honestly, I think you you're a different Marvel audience if you've read something. I've yes. read nothing. <laughs> and I just I'm watching it from the movies, you yes. know, and I. And I do have reverence and I understand and I know that, that there was the gauntlet and all of that Infinity Stone stuff. Mm -hmm. and, but I feel like that was very much the crescendo. And then now post that, it's like, what are we doing? No, 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 no. Post that, there's a, there's a lot still to come. Okay. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot still to come. Okay. Uh, which should be very good if they make it very good. Like the Khan story, it's, it's amazing. Which, which one's that? Um, it's, it's, it's the new villain. Kane, 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 Kane. The the, the okay. new villain. In in for who? Um, just regarding to the way they uh basically placed the multiverse, and how this one guy has uh been literally controlling time for as long as possible. Okay. So it's a it's it's an amazing. If they tell it properly, which so far they've done. That they've done. Well. Yeah. Because when I watched Loki season one, beautiful. Okay. Absolutely beautiful. That's so, delivered for you. Yes, it delivered for me. So I needed to watch Ant Man. Uh, what's, what's, what's the last Quantumania. one? Quantumania. Quantumania. I needed to watch it to see uh, basically what what happens and when they do cast him down. The one that the the, the one um, Kane that uh, basically uh, wants to fix everything okay. and not destroy while well, the other ones 
want to destroy across the uh, multiverse. Are there two? Are there two canes? No, there's multiple. Oh God! You see, you lost already. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know it is. It is kind of hard to keep up. And it when is. it was just movies, that was possible. But when it's movies and shows, it's like, okay, you're asking a lot of me. Yes, yes. It's you like you're to gonna you're, you're gonna see the audience like peter out. <laughs> Uh, I, but I was with them. Agents of Shield. I was there. I was, I was really? watching all okay. of that nonsense. So, a little boy growing up in Eastern Cape, you were reading comic books. Yeah, reading comic books. Um, yeah, because like superheroes were the thing to to do, especially like when you grow up in Breitbach. Yeah, you know what I'm saying you there wasn't like, there wasn't the cinema. Or... No, there was there, there was a, there was a cinema. Oh, was it? Yeah, there was a cinema, okay. uh, but not in Breitbach. Uh, more like town. King Williamstown. King Williamstown. Okay. There was like one cinema there. What did Breitbach have, just by, by virtue of its size? A bottle store? Uh, yes. That's the first thing to yes, arrive. that's the first. Have you noticed that? First. Even if there's just like four houses, there's a bottle <laughs> store a first. bottle store first. Then maybe the bottle store starts like stocking some bread. Yes. They, they had a wimpy. We had a wimpy. Okay. You know, if I, if, I, if, I could, if I could paint a picture for you when I lived in King Williamstown, it literally looked like Melville. Okay. Like seventh, okay, and that, and that would was be it. that was it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then you have now your town hall and all those things okay. uh, the, the 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 British like doing. Yeah, that was that was the Kingstown, it was Williamstown. Yeah. So he basically, you know, had his thing. There's a statue of the Queen there. Okay. Um, one of the first hospitals ever built was there. Interesting. Uh, I've always found it weird if you were to ever meet the people that these towns were named after. Like if you could go back in time and someone's like, "Hi, I'm Peter Merritt," <laughs> <laughs> or like, "I'm Harry Smith," and you're like, "Oh, weird. You're gonna get like, you know." You're going to be like a good stop for coffee mm. for everyone going to Durban. I, I was, <laughs> you know what I think? It's like people are going to run a race to you <laughs> and then the next year they're going to start at you and then they're going to go back. <laughs> That's going to be your contribution uh, to South Africa. That, that, that a really <laughs> great engine one stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So when I, when, I, when, I, when I stopped playing rugby, I actually... I started working as a boilermaker. A boilermaker? Yeah. No, no. Actually, I first started working at Capitec Bank. Yeah, after rugby, I worked at Capitec Bank. Okay. For two years. At a teller at the, as at a, the counter? As a, yes, as a sales consultant. Okay. I used to sell loans. Um, okay. I, that's what I used to and do. And what's a boilermaker? A boilermaker is an artisan. Uh, artisan. Yes, it's an artisan. You were making boilers? No, not, necess not necessarily. <laughs> Uh, we were doing things like construction. Like, have you ever walked in a mall and you looked up and you saw all those iron structures on the top with, like, beams and trusses? And uh, yeah, that's yeah. what we used to. So we used to fabricate that. Oh, shit. So I worked two years at Capitec Bank. Um, yeah, it was, just, it was just a lot for me uh, to cope with because what would happen is it was... I felt like I was dealing drugs, if that makes sense. Like, <laughs> like giving personal loans to yeah. people. It felt like I was a drug dealer. Because what would happen is I would literally see someone's life. Like, like just like, and I felt like I was the person tormenting them. But it wasn't me. It was basically the institution. So what would happen is so you'd, people would get addicted to personal loans. Like I would see your uh. whole, I would see your whole life just unravel in front of my eyes. So you would come to the bank and be like, okay, cool. 
I'm just here for 500 rand. Um, our thing was, look, if the client qualifies for 50 or 100,000 rand, you must try and sell that 100,000 to them. Yeah. Right? So I was just literally doing my job. Yeah. And people would come in, oh, I only need a 500 to get me through the week. And then what we do is we convince the person, no, 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 no. Oh, God. This is yeah. how much you qualify for, actually. Mm. So when that person goes home, immediately they walk through the door, they just see problems. I need a new couch. I need a new, I need a new, I yeah. need a new this, I need a new that. And then normally, like, eventually that person comes back and takes 50. Yeah. And then they struggle with that payment and then they come back and then they take more. And they go to another bank and they take more there and they yeah, take more say, there. Then you and would more stop there. giving them. You know. Yes, and then we would stop giving them. And I literally, the day I quit, there was actually someone that came into the bank and the system said no. Mm. And the person just broke down and cried in front of me. And I yeah. think the next day I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, especially if your life has been filled with so much laughter and joy. Yes. And you kind of feel like your purpose is bringing laughter and joy. Right then, Jesus, you were in the wrong place. I was in the wrong place. And I just, yeah. like, I was, I, I, I had enough. I just looked, the next day I came to work, I was just tired. Yeah. I was just tired of everything. I just yeah. walked in, and I remember I had this, this manager, she was new. Uh, it, was, it was just when Musica and all those places closed down, or were starting to close down. Okay, I was about and to say, because that was recent. When yes, they, yes, like, yes, they were starting to close down, like everything yeah. was going down. And they yeah. started letting managers go because no one was buying CDs anymore. Sure. And all of a sudden, and then she moved over to Capitec. And then when she started working there, uh, she had this high-pitched voice. And I remember writing my lunch at 10. I was very wrong for this. I was writing uh, my lunch. At, I put my lunch at 10. And it was like, cool. I went to go take my lunch at 10 till 11. As I was sitting down eating, um, the bank got full. And then she came in. She's like, Shana, can you please... Uh, stop eating and go help. I'm like, no, it's my lunch. Yeah. She says, no, can you? I just, I just was so tired. I was just, I just looked at her and I just said, fuck you. <laughs> I literally, I but you weren't, but you weren't swearing to her. Yes, you were swearing. I was just she embodied the institution <laughs> yes. that you were saying. This is like, that fuck you. Yeah. I just like, huh? <laughs> and I said it louder. And I said oh, it louder shame. and louder until I was screaming it. Really? Yeah, it was such a visceral. Yes, and I was like, I'm I'm out. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. And I left. I took like two, because I had like milks. I took like two milks (laughs) (laughs) from the cover. And they're like, You can't take the milks. And I threw the milks. I'm like, Take your fucking milk. I don't care. And I left. But I was I was so tired. I was just so tired. And I left. It was clearly training you. Yeah. It was I left there and um yeah, I was an unemployed for like uh, a year and a half. Mm. And then after being unemployed, and then I started doing boiler making. So it's like involving welding and all this. Not a bad things. skill to just have. Yes. It's kind of opened up a part of your brain. And I also think that, especially for comedy, you know, your life experience, your interactions with people, it all kind of feeds into what's going to make you interesting. Yes. You know, and uh, like I also think that I've been in a band, toured the world, opened a cinema ran it for a while just so that I can do a podcast. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because you're going to bring so much of that into your conversation. Yes. And it's really, it's really interesting. Um, what uh, do you want to watch more of? What I want to watch more of is, um, I think, drama. 
I'm starting to love drama, eh? Okay. I'm starting to see it everywhere. Also, because I'm, I'm like, I started um, basically interning at a, a place where uh, I'm, I'm learning how to write for TV. Okay. Yeah. It's still very early. Um, well, an amazing I, mentor uh, that's literally just teaching me cool. how to write for TV. R- writing, it's a little bit like editing. It's one of the more sort of subtle arts. You don't quite know it really until you sort of just wonder, why do I love this? Yes. Why do I appreciate this? And like, there is so much TV, there's so many TV shows on at the moment. You can almost go like, why do I love this so much? Why is this moving at a pace that's quicker and smarter and quippier? Where Why does this feel like they could have done this whole episode in one scene? Do you know what I mean? Like, it just shows, it's, it's, it's really interesting to like, be more conscious of the writing. Because mm, I was I was recently in a in, in a writing room uh, for this project that uh, they're busy with. So I was just kind of like shadowing. Mm. So I was in the room and they're brainstorming, and I like I made some nice contributions. I was like, whoa, it's actually yeah. fun. Have I've, you done much writing? Uh, not a lot. I mean, I've written a movie before. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, uh, Run George. I think it's screened yeah. Oh, shit. Did yeah. you write that? Yes. Oh, Run George. Me and Bongani Dube wrote Run George. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, we uh, it was. It. it was supposed to be a, a comedy. And then uh, Vui... Uh, what's his Vui... Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Vui Makauza. Uh, he kind of turned it into an indie movie. But mm. obviously, it's not his fault. It's budget. Uh, I think we shot that movie with like 40,000. Uh, our first day on set, uh, we spent all the money. Smart. Yeah. Um, but, um, no, but just funny what you're saying, which is probably testament to to saying it's a, a, a like a good movie, is the fact that you weren't um, trying to be funny. If it, if it yes. changed its tone, perhaps hopefully still the comedy was in it, but you've given it more gravitas. You weren't yes. just trying to be funny. Yeah, we should somehow bring that thing back to life. Where is it? It's not. Is it, it's not anywhere. Hey? Uh, no, it's not anywhere. I mean, uh, there's people who own the visuals, but we still own the IP. I mean, so, you should get it onto a streaming platform. Um, it kind of is on a streaming platform. It's what is it on? on uh, Viva Nation. Viva Nation. Oh, Viva Nation. What is Viva Nation? Um, it's like this. Another I streaming they, platform. Uh, that's yeah, they, trying in to South Africa, that's trying to start up. Um, I think oh, they do. Sure. Music videos and oh, cool. so forth. Um, okay, I'm just so, looking into it. Yeah, they Viva Nation actually gave us the money to shoot the film. Oh, great. Okay, I didn't actually know it's live because it did a few times at the Bioscope um, as like a premiere and it played in one or two festivals that we had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we had, it was actually selected like in 14 festivals around the world. That's awesome. Yeah, Argentina, Canada, we just didn't have the money to go. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> no, but that's cool. Okay, keep writing. Um, no, okay. I wish I could give you a good drama. You could appreciate um, a film called uh, A Good Person. A Good Person? Yeah. It's okay. got uh, Morgan Freeman. All right. It's got Florence Pugh, who's the new sort of darling of, of sort of movies, especially in America. Um, it was written and directed by Zach Braff, who is the dude from Scrubs. Oh, okay. The main white boy from Scrubs. Oh, okay. I remember you. And he's made a bunch of really great films since Scrubs. Even during Scrubs, he made a film called Garden State, which if you haven't heard of, I've you should really get into. I think there's something so amazing about a film like Garden State or a film like A Good Person where 
as a South African where budgets are limited, you just look at what is really a good character mm. and good characters where there's not anything huge and you're not trying genre. You're not trying to do a sci-fi in South Africa or horror or action where we don't have the budget for half the stuff, but a good character story, a it's good person is, is lovely. It's about this woman and trauma and addiction, but it's not, it shouldn't put you off. It's heartwarming. It's all about her recovery. So, so you might feel a little dragged in the mud in the very beginning, but um, well, not in the very, but in the heart of the film. But it's so, it's lovely, touching. It's, it's like touching, watching. and it's just it's a masterclass in writing, and it's a masterclass in acting, especially the woman Florence Pugh, the way she acts, it is is incredible. It's like 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 the thing I'm enjoying now the most is like Dead Lasso. Do you watch Dead Lasso? Yeah, and so I've just finished it. You just finished as it as of oh, the recording. You and me. Well, it's it's finished now. Oh, okay. This this season is the last, and the episode that aired as of our conversation yesterday was the last episode of Ted Lasso. Okay, I'm still I'm still so, watching. So it's three seasons, and it's totally worth your time. Yeah, I know Ted Lasso is. It's the first time ever I've watched something and like after an episode, you're like, I want to be this nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's inspiring to be a better yeah, person. To be yeah. a, a better person. Like, I want to, because they do such heinous things to the man and he's just like, mm. I forgive you. <laughs> it's like, yo, this man is so nice. Oh, it's a lovely, it's, it's a lovely a, piece of inspiration. Um, okay. Uh, shrinking. If you're watching Ted Lasso. That's okay. on Apple TV Plus. Also, watch Shrinking. Super smart writing. Okay, cool. Also, I'll just quick. Watch that. It's just so much more. You know, it's not just so often these mu- these shows, as I said, have this kind of one plot for the episode, and it feels so like you know boring. It, 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 these characters are multi layered. Lots are happening at the same time, and lots is lot is going on, and you can pick it up when you see something well written. Mm, and it's also like the decisions because mm. a, a lot of a lot of times, like what happens, especially when you develop a character, a lot what happens is like the 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 actor that you bring in. Like one of the characters can be dull. Like when we shot Run George, um, we had a character called Booker T. We literally wrote him as just a side guy. Mm. He's not part of the story at all. Mm. Like he's not the main part of the story. But then Titi Pasha showed up to set. And was just like, I'm going to act today. Mm. And, <laughs> and while he stole was... Stole the show. The, he stole the show. And we were like, all right, I guess this is Booker T now. Let's make him the real villain. Wasn't and, Booker T from like a game, wasn't it? Uh, no, Booker T is basically um, a wrestler. Yeah, I was about to say, WWE. Yes. But we named him Booker T because his name is T.T. Pasha. Yeah. And he's the booker at the pool hall because that's what the movie's about. <laughs> it's about a pool hall. And then he just stole the show and we're like, we can't let this character sit here. This man just brought this character to life. Let him be the real villain. And now he's the real villain in the movie and we just scrapped that. So that's what happens. An actor comes through and you've wrote this character and you thought that this character was going to be this way. Yeah, well, and like- you just find this actor that just brings something out in this character. You're like, oh my word. This is why this is this is this is actually yeah. the person I want, and then the character changes. Without giving too much away, what you'll come to love about Ted Lasso is that, and and it's kind of almost referenced in the last season in a nice way, is that the show is not about him. 
everyone moves around him and it's all the people that move around him and you come to love all the other people especially after three seasons mm-hmm. and and they give you so much more like coach beard is lovely mm. you don't get a lot of him but you get these <laughs> like you get these injections of him as a character and and it reveals so much but um yeah no you you can you can confidently watch all the way to the end it wraps up in a nice okay. a nice parcel um but on that note wrapping up um i'm gonna let you get on your way i've got to Get back to work here at the video store. Um, I appreciate hanging out, man. Cool, man. It was and, nice. And nice I, coming in, yeah. And I, just to put on record, appreciate all the work and effort that you put into Bioscope Sundays. It's your, yeah, your energy and your essence. It's like that's at the heart of it. So it's Thank magic so because much. of you. Thank you so much, Raz. Thank you for Proud to have us. created a, a space for you, but you, you filled it. Thank Do you know you. what I mean? Like I kind of, I, I kind of took you to the door, but you kind of walked in. So thank you. <laughs> it's a pleasure. All right, Adios, my man. Nice. Cheers. Uh, cheers. You said. Cool. Cheers. Bye. All right. What a good chat. What a happy dude. Yeah. And he's got a very infectious, happy laugh. And he's brought <laughs> a lot of joy to the bioscope. Hmm. We, um, similar to us as a podcast, we've. We also recently done it for a year and celebrated a year of of Bioscope Sundays, and we had cake similar to the <laughs> oh, nice. similar to the video store. So it's cool to see these things like very similar to us. Just need time, need momentum, need growth, hmm. and um, and then they just keep getting better and better. Um, all right, chappies. Um, it is uh, now a little later on the day. This is our cash up. It's a little quiet. And we can get back to talking about Indiana Jones. And this is where <laughs> the fun begins. <laughs> so um, I think we'll get into the kind of the thick of it yeah. um, and, and what we think of Indiana Jones. And then um, the new one, Dial of Destiny. And then um, we'll also just then cover a few other things that are, that are cool, yeah. that, that are coming out or that we've watched. Um should we maybe do that first and then do a little then Indiana, deep dive? Then deep dive? Yeah, I think so. Like they okay. did in the movie. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I, have you been watching, Russ? I, I I found something on um, DSTV which is delightful, and it was one of those like I'm so it feels like I found it like a little treasure that I found oh. for myself. No one recommended it. <laughs> yeah, it just on a whim in in DSTV as we were sc- scrolling through um, catch up. Um, it's a show called Colin from Accounts, okay, and you quickly realize it's quite a small, humble uh, Australian TV show, right. comedy. Um, the premise is incredible, so you know this within a minute of this show starting. Guy wakes up, gets in his car, goes to work, woman gets up, goes to work, cut to a dog walking down like a pavement. Oh, it's <laughs> like that scene from Benjamin Button. I don't know. What's that? Where Kate Blanchett is like walking somewhere and then she's about to be hit by a car. Okay. Well, okay. Well, okay. Yeah. So what happens is um, they have this encounter at this like stop street right. where she's walking, attractive woman, guy in his car. And there's this like, oh, stop. Oh, you go. Oh, I'm going to go. Oh, oh, funny yeah. moment. Like, oh, we've just shared uh, a cute. moment. Is, yeah. We are. Meet cute. We've just shared this kind of moment of strangers. 
And she, it's such a great character reveal. She goes, you know what? I'm going to be a bit cheeky. And she just quickly um, opens her top and flashes her nipple at him. Right. Just, and, 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 he, and he's like flabbergasted. Yeah. And, and, and she sort of smiles and is like, you know, <laughs> you know, that's what I do. Kind of cheeky moment. Also, this is someone she's never going to see again. So yeah, nothing yeah. To so lose. she, she right. thinks, oh, this is so funny. Meanwhile, there's a dog that's kind of <laughs> entered the scene. And this guy's completely flabbergasted and immediately like hits this dog. <laughs> right. And so he then gets out the car and he's like, oh my God, shit. And we've hit this dog. And now what basically happens is the first episode is them like taking the dog to the vet. Right. And basically you realize like now they're kind of joined by this dog. Okay. Um, she can't take the dog home to her apartment. Um, and she's also late on rent. But he doesn't want to look after the dog by himself. So eventually she sleeps the night. Right. Um, but a charming, fun comedy. Mm. Um, I mean, I, you, I was hoping for more counts, counting jokes. Well, this yeah. is the thing is that you actually think he's the dude. You, you forget his name. He's Colin. And you forget this. And you, you kind of, in your head, you assume he's Colin. But then right. by the end of the first episode, they're like sitting on the couch. And they're like, we should name the dog. Right. Like, what are we going to name the dog? And then he makes a joke. Oh, it should have like a human's name. And they bumble through one or two, and they eventually they settle on Colin. He goes, "Cool, Colin, Colin from accounts, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> working on the merger." And then I was like, oh, "I love the fact that the dog is called Colin yeah. from accounts." Didn't see that coming at all. Totally, and it's such a charming show. Okay, so yeah, Australian comedy. You nice. don't see them, so it's it's cool. I was immediately like, "I'm in, I'm in." Thanks. That's good to know. And it's nice to have those kinds of fun TV shows around because as we've often spoken about on the show things can get a bit serious and dark mm. <laughs> is it on Showmax as well I don't know whether it's made onto Showmax it's definitely on DSTV oh. but uh, speaking of the opposite the depressing and dark um, I've watched more of um, Black Mirror cool they, they're cool I, I, I have really, you finished them I Kat? finished them yeah I really like this new this new season isn't futuristic at all which is interesting yeah it's, I was going to say it's, like it's very much set in the past and um, well, like that, the one in space was like the seventies rethought out, and it's so cool. Who's watched what? I've only watched the first. You've watched yeah. Jonah's Awful. Yeah. Have you watched any? None Graham? of it. Um, yeah, so we've spoken about Jonah's Awful, which is kind of AI and the future of AI content, which is really interesting. But then the next one is Loch Henry, oh, which which is like a Harlan Coben book. It's like it could be said at any time. It's got nothing to do with any piece of technology apart from like cameras and VHS tapes. Which is more like okay. a parody of those Netflix murder mystery. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Harlan Coben, the author, oh, has, had a, has had a whole bunch of his books adapted. And they're usually like some you don't twist, you don't quite know until the end. And it's usually like in the basement or like someone those, kidnapped and it unravels. And it's usually from the inside. But more like, um, what's it? Making a murderer. What do you call those those things on Netflix? It's like those true real crime. Love, the true crime. Yeah, you know? because yeah. like true crime podcasts are a thing. Yes, the murders mm. in the building, and I think that's what they kind of that episode is poking fun at a lot. Yeah, and also it kind of told from the inside in the sense that the main character and his trauma of telling this kind of true life story, and you forget how much it affects the people that are affected by these true crimes. I know that's totally a thing because the dialogue around it becomes one of, 
I don't know, this like fetishization of the murder where you mm. start to like talk about personalities and you start to psychoanalyze people and you forget that you're talking about people that have experienced trauma, right? Yeah, yeah and you forget it. Someone's, yeah. someone's father or son, or, yeah. you know. Um, and then the Beyond the Sea um, is great. That's the Josh Hartnett one with the dude from... Wow, I haven't Aaron heard of him Paul. in a while. Yeah. What's his name? The guy from Breaking Bad again? Aaron Paul. Oh, Aaron no. Paul. Okay. Aaron Paul. It's like your, uh, your doppelganger. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So good. <laughs> I love Aaron Paul. I just hate being called Aaron Paul because I don't think I look like Aaron Paul. Right. Yeah. No, right, come on. Just because I'm bald and have a beard. Yeah. Take it. I'm, I'm a white guy. He's a handsome guy. <laughs> I don't yeah. see it. Every time I go to the um, pub quiz at 1969, the guy who runs it there, like I, I show up like twice a year, three times a year with two yeah. friends. Whenever we, I start like calendars align, and then I sit down and on the microphone for everyone, he's like, "Hey, Aaron Paul's in the building. <laughs> Say, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh. it's a, it's a, it's a great show. Really? I mean, I mean, it's a great episode. Okay, yeah. It, it's so cool. As as Gad said, it's set in the sort of nineteen late sixties, seventies, like the space race, but there's like a futuristic. Sort of link to it okay right. like possibility so, so weird and it's like intimate and personal and oh, it's, it's brutal. i don't want to give anything away like you should actually just go in as cold as possible yeah right. was josh hartnett the guy from pearl harbor that yep. ben affleck stole Liv tyler from or vice versa um it was way Liv around and it wasn't Liv tyler does um kate beckinsale yeah wait oh, <laughs> yeah. i'm thinking of armageddon <laughs> oh. okay cool got it but he had that line after Pearl Harbor's happened and they're getting their revenge mm. where their plane gets hit by flak or something. Yeah. And then they go, what was that? And he says, I think World War II just hit us. That's not a line in the movie and everyone thinks it is. What? Where's it it's from? not a line. It's from nowhere. What do you mean? No, he says World War II just hit us. Everyone thinks the line is World War II just started. Oh. World War II just hit us makes sense because yes, America does. wasn't in the war yet but everyone thinks the line is World War II just started oh no weird yeah. so I said Graham hit us right? yes. you yes. but it I, that's why I thought you were, you were, you were <laughs> quoting I was like okay what's your point <laughs> yes. no just it's a ridiculous line oh, right. like, that's, that's why I remember it yeah. I just hear that line and go that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard but it's very <laughs> Michael Bay sure yeah. I mean it is dumb but it makes sense because that was literally the moment the Americans felt it no totally it was after Pearl Harbor though in the in the thing, okay. it was weird. Yeah. No, no, so no, it's, it's happening. It's that's moment. that moment's in Pearl. That's the attack on Pearl. I, well, I remember yeah. nothing. Sorry, yeah. there were eyewitnesses. Someone actually said that in real life. Yeah. Oh, totally. Of course, <laughs> it's all <laughs> transcripts from real things that happened. <laughs> that's how Michael Bay works, guys. Yeah. Historical accuracy is the thing he's most concerned about. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, okay, so Black Mirror got to get onto that. Mm. Yeah. I made the decision to make my way through some horrors that I missed right. recently. So, I um, don't know if I mentioned it last time, I watched Knock at the Cabin, M. Night Shyamalan's uh, um, yeah, cabin movie, uh, which was interesting. <laughs> I respected what he was trying to do. So stupid. Um, I love uh, me some Jonathan Groff because he is gorgeous. Who's Jonathan Groff? He does the voice of one of the guys in Frozen. Have you seen... Um, he's the bl- he's a blonde, blonde man. From he- the David Fincher mind... Mindhunter. Mindhunter. No, I haven't seen okay. it. Okay. I know the name. The I don't know. dude in Mindhunter. Yeah. Okay. He's gorgeous. You'll recognize him when you see him because he's oh. beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, made my way through that. So I watched Malignant, which is a James Wan horror film. Oh, right. And then also Megan about the horror doll, and AI doll that comes. The Thregan, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that comes to life. 
Um, and I don't think both are all three of them are particularly excellent. Right. I love some horror though. Um, Malignant's insane when you figure out what the monster actually is. Right. It's a woo. It's hectic. <laughs> it's worth I, watching because I, I started and I was like, I don't know. I yeah. It is a nice reveal. I respect what they were trying to go for. Like an original horror monster, how often do we get that? Yeah. It's not just an insane slasher killer dude. It's yes. not a poltergeist. It's something way more unexpected. Right. But I respect <laughs> what they were going for. It looks really fucking stupid. Like it's insane. <laughs> do you want me to tell you? What's the back of the box of Malignant? Malignant's back of the box is that a woman um, is in a domestically violent relationship. She's pregnant. All the details are coming to me as I'm retelling it. <laughs> And uh, her husband gets aggressive with her because she's overworking and she might lose another baby. So there's been a series of stillborn babies or, you know, mm. failed pregnancies. Yeah, um, I said failed pregnancies. <laughs> failed pregnancies, miscarriages. So uh, he gets frustrated with her. There's a fight. He hits her head against the wall. And then that night when he's sleeping on the couch because they had a fight, uh, this presence awakens in the home and murders the husband right. and then a series of murders start to happen with this shadowy figure and she sees all the murders happen and while all of this is happening um we are intercutting with the past psych ward narrative right. where there's a little girl um with mysterious powers and you figure out that she must be the little girl in the visions even though the adult has what's it called when you lose your memory in movies that isn't real yeah uh, amnesia amnesia yeah yeah and it's like she forgets her whole life before eight that's uh, not how it works kind okay. of thing and uh yeah eventually uh a detective gets involved and they start saying she can see all the murders happening right you know uh i don't want to give away the ending but uh, it's don't. Like, oh my fucking god <laughs> what do you mean she can she can predict them coming no she sees them happening she can't predict them she sees them as they are happening right Okay. Which is an important clue. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's it's insane when you see it, guys. I love it's those, beautiful. I love those those plot devices like yeah. as you said, amnesia. It's like talk to anyone who like actually has amnesia, it's like it's like half an hour. Yeah. That's what you can't remember. Or like yeah. the morning of your bicycle accident. Like it's not like your whole life. Yeah. <laughs> it but doesn't work that way. Fake amnesia is the reason we have the Born trilogy, so I'm here for it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That was excellent. Um, speaking of like monsters, the, there's another Black Mirror episode, the Maisie, Maisie Day musical. Maisie, <laughs> You're like where did that ending? It was come so from? weird. It's yeah. Don't want to don't want to give it much away, but mm. like we're having such a spoiler-free discussion today. Yeah. <laughs> but it was not science fiction. It wasn't science fiction. Wasn't futuristic. It was just a good old genre romp. Okay, but it was it was cool. I think that I would highly recommend Megan though. Okay. Because I think that we have a potential new horror icon on our hands in Megan. The only complaints I have with it is that it's very PG. Mm. And I don't know what it says about me that I sit and look at a movie and go, this needs to be more violence (laughs) as a slasher. Personally, you know, because I just watched the Evil Dead films, Evil Dead and Evil Dead Rise. Well, Mm. movies are a chance to. It's like a safe space to see these things. So yeah, these forbidden should, things. Uh, yeah. so Especially like, bring, in, in horror. All of it now. Yes. What are you yeah. holding back for? Exactly. But that's the point of horror. To yeah. find the line. <laughs> exactly. Find the line and how far do we cross okay, it? Okay, so sorry. It stays too safe for you. Megan. Yeah. I think it's the only complaints. It's not slasher enough because they're trying to appeal to too many people. But then 
the studio announced that they are making an R-rated version because everyone thought the uh-huh. same thing. Well, un- oh, unrated. I think it's like a director's cut unrated. Oh, oh is that? Oh, what's yeah. the difference? It's oh, it's just it's, they're not even going to bother like getting... Oh, they're bored. just like, this is explicit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, 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 I remember back in the days of DVDs, like often it would come unrated. Right. Oh. And then you'll just, I mean, it'll be like they, a couple I think of, that's more of a marketing term than it's anything. It's a term. They have, they have to get it rated. Yes. You legally couldn't put it out without a rating. Now surely <laughs> the, the Film Publications Board of South Africa are not going to let that in without yeah. a rating. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. You, it'll, just, it'll probably be NC-17. That's the American. Okay. You, got, okay. you got duped by the, by the marketing-ness of it. Yeah, <laughs> was it actually PG thirteen, Megan? I don't know, but it was very vanilla. It's like a weird, yeah. It's, it was a weird a choice, but a really exciting concept. I enjoyed that. Okay, the yeah. idea that sorry, back of the box. Yeah, a woman's niece is orphaned because her sister and the husband were killed in a car crash. She develops toys for a company, like these little Furbies. Nice. basically that mm-hmm. speak and do really cool shit and connect to an iPad she's having loads of fun with it but now she's grieving the loss of her parents nice. so she's been trying this forbidden little AI project nice. and obviously having this child on her hands that she's incapable of consoling or even being a parent figure to creates Megan this android companion for her niece okay? mm. and then obviously the power of AI is too nascent to be controlled yeah. in the hands of human beings. So Megan like starts to become crazy, and her directive to ensure the like emotional and physical well-being of this child goes to extreme degrees, right. which is murder. Yeah, it reminds me of the Black Mirror. <laughs> oh, <episode>. really? <laughs> Once again, to go back to Black that Mirror, Ma- Miley Cyrus episode. There's the Miley Cyrus one, mm. and then there's also there's that one episode which was particularly intense. Which was called like the Black Hotel, Black Motel, Black Hotel. It had the 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 sister from Black Panther who went on and became right. more big and pivotal in Wakanda Forever. That woman, okay, um, and she stops off at this sort of museum of weird things in the middle of nowhere, oh, and, I and that, that episode one, yeah. has about two or three different stories in it in one, and this. one of which was getting like your soul like put into. A teddy bear. Yeah. Remember that, was, that one? And there were all like there were hundreds of Easter eggs in that episode. Oh, Jesus, it was wild. <laughs> like exhausting? Haunting. Just no, it's it was, yeah. it was like a museum and every little display thing was something from a previous episode. It was like oh, it wasn't oh. such a smart it was TV the show. end of season four or five, which is the season that with the black and white episode of the robot dogs is still my favorite episode. Terrifies <laughs> me. You know those Boston dynamic dogs? Yeah. Like this episode of like one of those with a knife, like hunting. <laughs> oh my god! Like that's dog so with funny. a knife is a very funny concept. Yeah, this robot How does it hold it? <laughs> it's like its head can. Its head is you can't make a sound. Like a knife can come out of its front. Oh, oh my god! Okay, okay. no, sorry, it was hilarious. I just need to say, Graham just like tried to motion a dog's paws holding a knife. It was hilarious. It was <laughs> I mean, one of cute. those dogs that can like that can like walk on its back legs. Yes. But it's so funny, we're saying this, there's a scene in Megan where they're doing that testing thing, where Megan's walking around, they're poking her with the stick, and she's like stumbling, but still staying upright and not making noises with the microphone. Sorry. Um, Yes. Wild. So you guys would recommend Black Mirror Season 5? I am so jealous of anyone who hasn't watched Black Mirror. Because you can now get into so much. I mean... I think it will really fuck you up if you watch all of it in one go. But like, my God. That I think that's why I always the, stop. Just the whole thing is just so good. 
Yeah. I, I can't see why you haven't watched more. Yeah, I think it's because it becomes emotionally taxing. Yeah. No, no, they 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 drain you, they haunt you, but that's yeah. just there's it's a, just there's a testament a, to how good they are. There's another kind of anthology show that I've discovered. It's the guys who did League of Gentlemen and Psychoville. And they've got a show that's called Room 43, I think. Okay. And every episode is like a different kind of murder mystery anthology. Not really science fiction, right. but like dark British humor. Oh. Like, like one episode is about a guy who uh, creates crosswords. And he's one of his students is trying to solve it, but he's actually killed her. And the clues to get the antidote are in the crossword for the next day's quiz which she has to try and solve it's just it's well, that sounds good they're mm. very very clever so netflix um recently did something that they very rarely ever do is they actually released a good movie <laughs> i know what you're gonna say nimona nimona animated film nimona yes what did you think i adored it yeah i think it was fantastic it was dude. so sweet do you want to give a back of the box back a back of box back a box i'll give you an old back of box old yeah, graham boy what is it how's it spelled nimona n-i-m-o-n-a yeah yeah Sorry, don't move on the couch. Yeah. I'm going to stop and you look perplexed because they just dropped this bloody thing without announcing it or doing like any kind of fanfare mm. or anything. It just came out of nowhere. When? Mm. When? Literally this, this weekend. Week. Yeah. And you both watched it. Yeah. Well, I knew it was coming oh, somehow through coming. the boyfriend because he had read the comic okay. and said he loved okay. it. So it was a favorite comic amongst lefty queer people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the back of the box is that we're in a kingdom walled off from the outside world okay because there are monsters on the outside there's Li this lovely live action or animated, animated. okay okay let me start that again um it's an animated movie about a kingdom that's been walled off from the rest of the world because mm. there are monsters outside of this world and there are knights that have been bred actually like from an elite group of knights at the start of the story mm. to protect the kingdom for like thousands and thousands of years and now mm. this this doctrine of protecting the kingdom from monsters outside is quite well entrenched in the in the culture. Yeah. But then um, one of our knights is not one of the people that was born from this line of elite gods. Yeah. He was a commoner and then usually don't become gods. And the film starts with a ceremony where he becomes a god. But Are you saying god or god? Like guard. Guard. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. God of the citadel kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. And uh, then when he is being knighted by the queen who is very much for this new change in society, his sword turns into a gun and kills her, right? What? Kills and assassinates the queen. Yeah. And then everyone is after him. His boyfriend. Yeah. Okay, the, I'll get into that. There's the queer, <laughs> yeah. there's the queer love for it. Yeah. Um, his boyfriend uh, cuts off his arm in order to like get the weapon, like out of instincts, right? Because yeah. he just shot the queen and that's his job to protect the queen as well. Okay. But the, Oh, and then he runs away, sorry, and then encounters this little monster yeah. that can shapeshift. Okay, and yeah. that's Nimona. And this monster teams up with him because she thinks that he is a villain. Okay, and this is based on something? A comic. Based graphic on a comic, novel. Graphic novel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it is so wonderful. Yeah. It is so cute. It's also this whole like medieval futurist thing where it's yes. like medieval stylings, but they're still like cell phones and cars and all that sort of thing but they have knights and castles and yeah it works yeah, yeah. my algorithm has been completely derailed i was not served <laughs> that oh no 
<laughs> I'll go and seek it out and change my algorithm back. The, mm. the gay relationship is like the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I it's was, really well handled. It's like, so it's, well handled, right? Because it's, it's not an issue. They're exactly. In love. It's that like normalizing of that sort of rep- representation, mm. you know? Exactly. It's not like, hey, they're gay and it's important that they're gay. Yeah. It's just like, they're gay, cool. They're also the heroes of the story, you know? Exactly. Yeah, okay. oh, yeah. cool. Cool. I think kids are super lucky to have this these days. Mm, definitely. You know, I could never have imagined two guards of the <laughs> Citadel like holding yeah. hands and comforting each other because they're nervous. Yeah. And I was just like, my heart was melting. <laughs> oh, no, man. Oh, no, man. It's really well animated. <laughs> oh, you're thinking about the, oh, no, man. <laughs> I'm, making the, I'm making the antithesis joke. <laughs> but the um, animation's really good. The performances are great. Yeah, the performances are really performances excellent. Are really good. Um, are you guys familiar with the Try Guys YouTube channel called the Try Guys? No. It's ringing a bell. T-R-I-O-R. Well, one of the guys, the, the other nut, so the main character is Riz Ahmed. The yes. other nut, the love interest, is one of the Try Guys okay. from the YouTube channel. Turns out he's a good actor. Okay, yeah. He was really good in this. I really appreciated that they modeled Riz Ahmed's character to look like him. He does kind of look like him, yeah. Yeah, because he's beautiful. <laughs> Sorry, guys, making a racket. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Well, yeah, but it's really good and it's worth, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good and it's worth watching and it's again Netflix releasing an actually good movie that they don't bother to tell anyone about oh well yeah um, let's talk about Indiana Jones yeah okay. <laughs> we're getting distracted we're getting a bit distracted yeah um, I wanted to say just to get into the meat of it on the way to our outing mm. yesterday myself and Cole funny enough had this like chat about nostalgia right where we were just saying how Cole was like, I can't remember the last time I was like, what did you say? Like excited. Yeah. Like nerdily excited, like frothing. The way in which, the way in which. <laughs> which is what I did. Well, just, well, I mean, you were saying that you were excited, but I don't think you were like as excited as you were when you were like 16. Yeah. There's this kind of like low lying. Oh, cool. It's another Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, it's just kind be- of placid. Because we're so desensitized. Yeah. There's so much going on. And mm. I, I was saying it's been a while since I, had one of those days where it was like an aimless day where <laughs> it felt long and I was bored and right. you know like those things that only really happen when you're a kid <laughs> like I haven't had one of those days since I was like 18 <laughs> you know where you were kind of just aimless and could stare at the sky you know <laughs> like, exactly and like, your school holiday lasted yeah. like now if I'm doing nothing year. I'm purposefully doing nothing I'm taking great joy in doing nothing it's planned yes um, and then it had me realize then when we were watching this movie that it was like this movie made in 2023 was very much evoking the idea of like the old 80s, 90s action film, mm. right? Mm. And it was sure it used CGI carefully and somewhat respectfully, but for the most part, it felt like a very simple, old, beautiful, nostalgic movie. Mm. And, that, and that was the point I want to make about Indiana Jones, the Tile of Destiny is that it was, there's something really great about that, that it, with all this sort of CGI craziness that we have, it was cool to have this kind of very simple, beautiful, older movie. Does that make sense? Mm. It yep. does. And then it had it me realize, fun. it was fun. It had me ask some questions, which I thought we could answer here, which is who is Indiana Jones for? <laughs> because it is this kind of older film and they are playing into its nostalgia. And then the other question is, what are 2023 movies going to be remembered as? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because we made, this movie was made to look like a 
80s movie. Mm. Does that make sense? Kind of. I, okay, we'll unpack it. But did you guys think they did the character of Indy Justice? Like, do you not just think he was just like this resentful old man, divorced, and his kid died? And I, 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 I mean, I think that's sort of always been Indiana Jones. He's always mm. been a little bit bitter and a little bit of a lunatic. Just yes, like shouting, you know. shouting at the kids, the hippies across the road. Like yeah, I mean, again, Indiana Jones has kind of always been a bit of a maniac. Yes. We kind of look at everything from his perspective and like in the movies and that sort of thing. But if, if you think about if you were sitting in the Obi-Wan club. Okay. And then there was someone like across the table from you and all of a sudden a guy in a white tuxedo started punching everyone inside. Yes. And then skewered a guy with like a big meat stick. You think this guy's fucking insane? Exactly. This guy, he just punches a woman who's selling cigarettes for some reason, and you're going, "This guy's a maniac." Because his his solution to every problem is to just start throwing punches. Exactly. He's insane. He is wild. That's with kind his of punches. what makes him a fun character. Mm. But he's and just, in the context of the action, it makes sense. But yes. how does that manifest in a civilized situation? Yes. And I think that makes a lot of sense. If like something like a loud neighbor was irritating him, he would be the cranky old guy. Yes. That would go downstairs. Um, even though it's difficult for us to see him or like odd for us to see him in that space, yeah. I think. And you can't avoid the fact that Harrison Ford is 80 years old now. Yeah. You can't just pretend that he isn't that. Yeah. So but he kind he of has even, to be the old man. He couldn't even get the kids to keep quiet in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, he didn't have a gun on him, so he couldn't shoot anyone. Yeah, and he couldn't punch them legally. <laughs> why, why do you guys like Indiana Jones? I think I love Indiana Jones because at least the, the moments, I think, where it gets Indy rights where there's this fascination with history, a fearless exploration. Um, and I think the conflict that Indy has between, like, I think the cold hard facts of archaeology mm. versus the faith and fact denying artifacts that he has to discover. Right. Yeah. And that often is drawn into conflicts in indie forms. And mm. I think they are wildly fun, comedic, action movies there's like a comedy action element to indy where he's completely out of his depth even though he like like you said Russ, before the screening he can punch someone out of a truck the whole time which doesn't make a lot of sense when you stop to think about it he's always problem solving on his feet Mm. it's like Mm. we speak about how he's inspired by james bond right who always seems to like have the best tech or the best solution yes and indy is just not that person he's He's always a little out of his depth Mm. yeah Okay, yeah, he's like sort of clumsy James Bond. Mm. He's sort of designed to be as such. Yes. But yes. I, I love at the end of the day, he's risking his life to get stuff to put in a museum so everyone can see it. Yeah. Yes. Like it's just such a noble kind of idea. Okay. And that's, that's, that's why. That's the point in this new movie that I kind of went, Ugh. and like Phoebe waller like when you saw her at, at the end, like she went through all that effort to trick Indy to get this thing to sell it for money and I was like oh really yeah. really like and then I just couldn't I couldn't like accept her I couldn't I wasn't on her side yeah. after that point in the movie which is I, I suppose you have to bring those characters like it's more interesting if those two characters are kind of in conflict with each other exactly if their goals were the same it wouldn't be that interesting mm. you know but I think that they do get sidelined with generating that conflict I mm. think without really making us making her likable at yeah. all like every single thing she did, I kind of just sat there and went, fuck this chick. Yeah. You know? 
like at this point yeah. in the beginning when she was just like a nerdy when she was like a bumbling book book nerd she was great they should have just kept her like that yeah i don't know like the rogue the rogue was cool i, I was enjoying the rogue but it was as the escalation of the conflicts increased right yes wow that was redundant sorry <laughs> as the conflicts escalated uh, and like people were being killed mm. and she s- was still making decisions in that space. I kind of just sat there and went, I, I, I don't like you. All right. You're, you're yeah. not, you're still not getting to the point where you're aligning with India in like a positive way. So that in the end, when she does something, spoiler free discussion, sorry, yeah. which is really frustrating. <laughs> uh, I kind of just sat there and went, oh, I'm so sick of you. All right. It was, it was, it was like, we were talking about this as feels like it's very much her story. Yes. And Indy's pulled along in this adventure. Yeah. And he's not trying to find something to put it in a museum, per se. It's mm. not as pure as that. We don't feel that curiosity from Indy. Right. right? It's always about how urgent it is. Yes. You know? But like, apparently this movie had reshoots and tons and tons of rewrites. And like, it's, it feels, it didn't, it felt like it was not a coherent thing. Right. I mm. don't know. Okay. It's, just, it's a pity. Like $300 million it cost. Really, yeah. movies are expensive. Like, apparently, it's like even like more than Disney have disclosed because <laughs> of all the reshoots and everything it's gone through. Interesting. Yeah, it's yeah, a pity. It does feel like they were desperate to get it right. I, I think, mean, yeah, they they sort of like Disney does it like that. Plus, it is Harrison Ford's last one. It's the mm. end of Indiana Jones for mm. all intents and purposes. Until St- Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford are both dead, then yeah. they're not there to block them from making more, and they'll immediately make a new one. <laughs> exactly. Uh, with new characters, yeah, and reboot, reboot. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. That's fine. No, it's not fine. Don't <laughs> do I don't it. mind that. I mean, don't what else? fucking it's, do it. It's going to happen. It's going to. Doesn't mean it but, should. Um, yeah, I find it interesting that Harrison Ford is is one of the only actors out there. I guess it's testament to how pivotal and and great those roles were, mm-hmm. and how significant those early roles were. That he's one of the few that have had those big roles had decades in between and is now coming back as older versions yeah. of himself. Han Solo, Blade Runner, and Indiana Jones. Yeah. Like there's very few that are doing that. Mm. Or that that are those kind of actors in the world. Yeah. yeah. He was immense, actually. Like an immense action hero. Yeah. We kind of forget that. Yeah. But it's yeah. it's interesting to figure out who it's <laughs> who it's for because it was made those first two were made before I was even born, and I'm older than you, Cole. Yeah. So when did you watch them? I think they must have come up on ETV or something around but the time of seven or eight. Mm. Indiana Jones. Yeah. Because for me, I got the box set, the DVD. The, it was like they re-released the box set. Yes. Right. So I got a VHS a- box set first. Box set mm. first, oh, okay. like the late nineties, and then I got a DVD box set. But I think I might have just discovered it just, and then like at immediately the right latched time on. for you as a kid. Yeah. It was just a cool, timeless treasure hunt yeah and it's been that way ever since mm. yeah yeah i'm sure i saw young indiana jones before i saw indiana jones what uh, yeah. wild what's mm. young indiana jones it's like a tv show yeah oh shit yeah. edutainment you'll love it <laughs> oh really oh because you could learn about history at the yeah same time. it was like educational ed- entertainment boring okay. <laughs> <laughs> um i think that indies for i think dial destiny is for indie fans yeah specifically i don't think I think they're relying very much on the legacy of the franchise mm. and people to show up for that. Yes. Because they have shown up in cinemas but before. Is that roughly our age and older? Yeah. 
Like we, we must be the sort of younger of indie fans. Yeah, we'd have to be. I guess. In, to some degree. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose Unless a lot of people our age audience. would be sharing it with their kids. People yeah. older than us would be sharing it with their kids. Yeah. You know. so this isn't going to win over like new Indiana Jones fans. No. But I don't think it needs fun. to. It's, no. it's a question of whether or not it will make money, sort of the way Blade Runner didn't. You right. Know? Yeah, because because people know about it, there's an assumption that that means a lot of people are, are like interested in it. But it's why Blade Runner like failed, you know, yes. because there there is a like a vocal fan base of it. But like, how big is that fan base really? Right, yeah. you know. And I suppose whether or not this does well at the box office will answer that question for Indiana Jones. But you yeah. know, it's a question right now. Interesting. Okay, um, but yeah, I'm glad we watched it. And it, as yeah, I said, yeah. it was it was this fun sort of transportation back to a fun, simpler time in movies. Yeah, it was I mean, a bloody fun movie. I had, yeah, I had a blast. Russell shouted at me. I was rolling my eyes a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, shush, <laughs> man. Uh, <laughs> it's like the villains just could teleport anywhere. I mean, after you accept that, it's like, okay, okay. Well, I was okay. saying to Cole, like, I, don't know, but I don't want to give away what that thing is, but it, it, the, the, the elements of supernatural... Yeah. Wasn't this crazy CGI sci-fi, you know, you compare that to Avengers. I mean, it's like, not to give too much away, but what it was mm. in terms of actual effects was yeah. like a hole in the clouds. Yeah. Just so, it was so simple. Yeah. Mm. And it was so practical in that regard. Like it wasn't right. this CGI fest. Yes. Because, yeah. well, the problem is because of without giving it away, if it wasn't that, then the MacGuffin, so to speak, would have to be sci-fi more than, yes, you know, fantasy like they usually are. Exactly. You know, that sort of semi-religious fantasy sort of thing. Although this one doesn't really get into the religious, mm. which isn't necessarily a problem, but, yeah. you know, okay. All right. it's good. It's a fun time. Good set pieces, really great, like, de-aging. I think in the middle part where he was slightly older in London, mm. it worked better. Yes. In the beginning, it was still feeling a little bit waxy. He looked mm. He looked great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Old voices and young buddies. <laughs> the problem with the fucking Irishman all the way through. Yeah. It's interesting, but it does feel like a marked improvement than what we've seen before. Yeah. It, it still struggles with the thing that all CGI faces struggle with. The hardest thing you can do in visual effects is the human mouth. Right. It's the most difficult thing to get right. It's interesting. I was focusing more on his eyes in this. Right. And trying to like feel mm -hmm. the excitement or the fear or the sarcasm. Yes. And struggling with that. Yeah. But, um, but do, yeah. Don't you find it interesting that it, that everybody has the ability to recognize yeah. how the face goes wrong? Exactly. Yeah. That's why it's so important to get and so difficult to get it right. Yeah. Because if it's wrong by like 1%. That we, we know it is like subconsciously. We as humans can can somehow just pick it up. Yeah. We can we can see it, despite like millions and millions of dollars yeah. going into it. It's because we're we're so familiar with the human face. Yeah, we're looking at it all day, every day. Yeah. So if it's like one percent wrong, we're going to notice. And then, Cole, what was that interesting thing that you said about who they hired? Oh, I'll talk about that in a second. But what you guys were talking about? Yeah, I saw something about this once. How terrifying is it that that's a survival tactic? We have the ability to recognize a fake human face. <laughs> Just putting it out there. That's weird. Is we that a survival tactic? It might be. I don't know if it is. I it's, think we it's can just, recognize fake people. I think Why? it's just because it's something we're so exposed to. From the second we're born, we're looking at human yes. faces. I think you it's know. odd, man. It's coming. <laughs> Robot revolution. What I was saying is that there was a guy on YouTube with all the deep, oh, well, not deep fakes, the, the, the face CG, like de-aging that happened in like Rogue One. 
and I think Mandalorian season two, and there were some things in between mm. uh, that would uh, use a uh, uh, deep fake algorithm to improve. Yeah. On the de-aging effect, and he would show a comparison between the cinematic release just a normal and his dude. version. Yeah, just some average Joe. Um, and they were always better. They were always like a little bit more convincing than what happened at the studio level, right? And he did such a great job that ILM eventually hired him to come do deep faking oh, okay. and de-aging at ILM. So he was involved then in yeah, the movie we I'm, watched? He would have been, yeah. He would have been. Yeah. And what is his name? Do you know? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, cool. Uh other things coming out that we're excited about? I'm very excited about the new special from Tom Segura. Do you know Tom Segura, the comedian? You got me into Tom Segura in lockdown. I think right. he's great. He's, he's hilarious. Ever, I like Tom. Have you ever watched him, Graham? Mm-hmm. Very dry, quite like small humor, like Gosh. not huge, big, um, exasperated kind of acting. Um, I think he's great. So there's a new, he's got a new special out this week, the week okay. of this episode. Oh, nice. Um, I'm very interested for the Wham! documentary, which is also coming out this week. Curious. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I don't know much about Wham! Same. Yeah, same. And the other guy. Who's the other guy? Right. <laughs> Who's the other guy in Wham? I'm just like, it's, it's George <laughs> Michael. They were the biggest band the in the world. Yeah. But they were childhood friends. I didn't know that. Oh, what? It all comes out oh, okay. in the, in the, in the docky. Yeah, in the trailer. Um, and then a great um, fall asleep show is uh, season two of Is It Cake? Right. <laughs> and, uh, it's ca- and this is called Is It Cake 2? Like T-O-O. Smart. Well done, guys. <laughs> Smart pun. I want to eat, eat cake. It's such a dumb oh. show. You know the whole premise. Yeah, I know the yeah, premise, yeah. yeah. I mean, I couldn't watch more than two episodes. Like After that, it's like, what is the point? <laughs> to see just... whether or not it's cake or not. <laughs> but it's... Probably cake. It's not. Sometimes it's not, and you can't tell. That's the fucking genius of it. Two audiences, a schism between them in the shape of a cake show. Yeah. Oh, right I'm, in front I'm of us. not giving out any fucking Emmys for this thing, but like, at the end like of you it, said, a full of sheep, a full of sheep. So, but like okay. these, these kind of reality shows, like we found this amazing one called Lego Masters. One of the seasons is on um, YouTube, where they get like unlimited supply of Lego. Bricks. Bricks and stuff. It's teams of two and they have a theme and they've got a, like, one of them was they had to build a spaceship and they had to decide the theme. But the thing was it had to hook on to a giant spaceship. So it had to be balanced in a way. And these guys like had like 12 hours and the one built like a firehouse spaceship and the other one built like a, a movie house spaceship. And sounds awesome. Are you complaining? <laughs> no, but like it's, it's great for like three, four episodes, but then it's like the same thing. They're just like building. Okay, Ken, that interests me more. Explain to me how you make an entire show about whether or not a cake is a cake. So, (laughs) how is that a show and not a not TikTok? Not a TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, you could very you could make an argument that that you could fast forward. Yes, through quite a lot of it. Yeah, but what are you fast forwarding through? What what actually happens in the show? Building (laughs) them building and making up the cake in their process. The point of the show... It's like 40-minute episodes, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> this is lots of stressful music. The point, of the, the point yes. of the show yeah. is that we're at this point now where you can make such realistic cakes yes. that it could be hard to tell between the real thing... <laughs> and the cake. 
the real thing in cake. Okay, so they're always making a cake, but the question is whether or not the judges are being presented with the then cake they, or not. Then, then, they have to, then they have to present to judges yeah. their cake and the real object right next to it, and the judges uh, have to decide... Which oh, like, one which they is think the cake? is the real cake? <laughs> Good lord! See, but like this makes a lot of sense to me. If you've experienced how traumatic cooking can be, and they are watching so other people good. do it can be stressful. So with the dramatic music, but they are so good that yeah. it's hard to tell which one is cake. Okay. And eventually, it, it comes down to him with a knife. Yes. And it could cut through and oh my god, it is cake! Or <laughs> it but it's hits. Funny, but the second episode is like, yes, they could it making cakes look like real things? I get it. Then so. you then the chel- the the excitement, Gad, is that you can see <laughs> next week how they've now done a shoe, and then the next week they did a bowl but of fruit. All, they're all right. really good. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like 40 minutes to get to the point where they cut the cake. Yeah. In like, episode one now of season two, they had 10 hours. What? They to, took to 10 make the hours cake. to make the cake. Oh my God. So I just want to see someone Just out of respect, shoe. you know, Side don't make note, it a 30 second TikTok. So is, is this a, like a, like, do they get a prize? Yeah, they win money. Oh, okay. If you deceive the judges, you you get, like, you pick, you pick up money as you go. I'd respect them more if there was no prize. You just get the... The, the glory. The glory of knowing you fooled the judges. If you... If sort of you, like the Great British Bake Off. There's no prize in the Great British Bake Off. Yeah. No, that's interesting. No, the, 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 there's money, but it's not huge money. Yeah. It's like, I think they win like $10,000 each round. Okay. Or if you just earn the right to just gloat really hard at the judges. Well, <laughs> fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, if you now uh-huh. operate... If you now operate somewhere in the world, in America, um, in a major city... And you are known for this cake yes. making. Do you know how much money people yeah. pay for those cakes? Yeah. Like you will you will make a fuck ton of money. Yeah. But you trick them and like sometimes you actually give them a real shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Shittiest, <laughs> Shittiest birthday party yeah. ever. That's why I was so flattered by the first comment by one of the staff here at the Bioscope when we bought the cake through our videotape cake. Yeah. yeah. Um, where I was like, it looks like a fondant cake, right? Yeah. That doesn't look like a VHS tape. <laughs> But I put it down and the guy just said, is it a cake? And I went, oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I didn't even answer the question. And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry, it's a cake. You, you eat it. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. Um, cool, duties. Yeah. I think it was great. It was yeah. nice to um, all go out together to the movies. Yeah. Mm. Always a good Watch time. Watch IMAX. Mm. That's always a treat. Yeah, definitely. And, um, and yeah, we will, uh, we will get together uh, soon. <laughs> awesome magic um, okay we are the video store.co.za and um, share the love and if you are feeling generous give us a rating and a review that means the world and then chime in we've spoken a lot of shit on the show and um, and get involved over on Instagram on Facebook and we also are posting more and more stuff now on TikTok and on YouTube so get involved and tell us what you think and correct us if we've made mistakes. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will see you again next week. Okay. Say goodbye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye.